there's only one UT, and there's only one real shade of orange. Who said that in SEC Media Days? Plus, a big-time recruiting weekend could happen if a decision here on a Friday afternoon goes the right way. All that and more here on a Friday, Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good Friday, everybody. Welcome into it. This is Locked On Balls. It is your team every single day, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Shout out every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Balls your first listen. Uh, been a long Thursday. Uh, you guys know I record this the night before. Drove down to Nashville, covered SEC Media Days, came back, recording this episode, getting ready to uh, go on a little bit of a weekend trip. So a reminder, there's going to be no Locked On Balls on Monday. So a little programming note, we'll be back on Tuesday. Uh, but a lot to discuss here uh, on this episode of Locked On Balls. Linebacker Edwin Spillman had to make his announcement between Tennessee and Ohio State. Uh, will he choose orange? Coming up in a matter of moments. Uh, Vols at the podium in SEC Media Day. Some of those highlights. We'll get into that in segment two, and we'll get back into the scouting the opponent series uh, with South Carolina in segment number three. So, uh, Edwin Spillman, younger brother of Nate Spillman. Matt Ray and I talked about it earlier this week on, the, on an episode of Locked On Balls. Uh, he will make his commitment to either Tennessee or Ohio State, and that will come up uh, later this afternoon at 2.30 Eastern Time, 1.30 Central. Edward Spillman has been one of the uh, state's best players each of the last couple of uh, seasons. He comes in in the on-three industry rankings at number 300 nationally. He's the 27th linebacker in the country and the 7th best player uh, from the state of Tennessee. Again, rankings on everything. He's been as high as the number two player in the state of Tennessee, I believe, uh, for his class over the course of his high school career. Uh, he's a really, really solid player. Six foot one, 220 pounds. Again, from Lipsum Academy. He is the younger brother of Nate Spillman, wide receiver in the class of 2023, is already on campus uh, for Tennessee. He is the high school teammate of Caleb Beasley, a cornerback commit for the University of Tennessee again from Lipscomb Academy. But uh, Edwin Spillman is one of those guys that you got to have, right? Uh, when you're talking about keeping the best the best players in state, in, uh, you know, locking the borders down, Edwin Spillman is one of those guys that you've got to get. You took care of it with so already with, you know, Boo Carter and Marcus Gorey and some of these other ones. You're going to try to obviously land Amari Jefferson uh, here on uh, August the 5th, I believe, is when he's going to make an announcement. But Edwin Spillman is a guy who knows all those guys, plays 7-on-7 seven seven with all of those guys, and he's a guy that Tennessee really, really wants to get. Uh, it's never been a foregone conclusion that uh, he would choose Tennessee, even though all signs point to Tennessee. In-state prospect, high school teammate with a commit, his brother's on the team, I mean, there's always been a whole lot going for Tennessee in this one, but it was never going to be one of those that's assumed. Uh, assumed that just because of all those reasons he was going to come to Tennessee. Uh, but going into his uh, announcement date, I do like Tennessee, and I, I like where Tennessee sits. And we'll see exactly if he chooses Tennessee over Ohio State, but I still believe that too many things point towards uh, the Big Orange. Uh, of course, he told uh, on three... Um, earlier, uh, you know, in the week, that uh, the relationship with the coaches at each school is what it comes down to. He said, "I've known the coaches since I was a freshman. Both Ohio State and Tennessee have loved me 
and wanted to get me both as a player and a young man. I've been drawn to those two since the beginning. It's why I want to put my focus into them in terms of his two finalists. But of course, he's wanted to get this out of the way, and he's wanted to get um, his focus on his senior football season, uh, which is set to begin in just a matter of a couple of weeks, already starting practice. So uh, that's Edwin Spillman. He's going to make an announcement at some point at 2.30 Eastern time. 1.30 Central time is... Uh, uh, is when that's going to go down. It's already been a really good week for Tennessee, of course. Five-star wide receiver commit Mike Matthews. He made his big orange pledge on Wednesday night. Uh, the first five-star in the class for Tennessee uh, vaulted the Volunteers up from number 12 in the country to number eight in the country, um, You know, up from sixth in the country to fifth in the country, or up to fourth at one time. I think they slid down one. Uh, because another team got to commit uh, in the day prior. But anyway, sitting number five in the SEC, which is really, really solid. And if Edwin Spillman is to commit to uh, the Big Orange, he would be the first linebacker commit of this class for Tennessee. Actually, he'd be the second linebacker commit of this class. He'd be joining three-star a linebacker from Pace Academy in Atlanta, Georgia, Jordan Burns, who committed to Tennessee in the month of June. Uh, that that's the linebacker commit so far, but also you know linking up with some other defensive talent like Marcus Gorey, four-star safety commit out of Bradley Central, uh, Kellen Lindstrom, four-star edge presence out of uh, uh, Springfield, Missouri, um, as well as Jeremiah's Herb, which I think he's going to end up on the offensive line though. That's kind of how I see that one. Carson Gentle of Macaulay School, another in-state prospect, three-star defensive lineman who was Tennessee's first commit in this class. Boo Carter, who I believe is going to end up in the defensive backfield. We've we've mentioned him already a couple times, four-star athletes. And, uh, again, Caleb Beasley, four-star quarterback, who's kind of the leader on the defensive side of the football in this class. So if Edwin Spillman is going to commit to Tennessee, and I would call Tennessee the favorites. I think Tennessee's been the favorites uh, this entire process. Uh, he would be the 18th commit of the class for the University of Tennessee, and he would be the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He would be the 11th four star of the class as well. Uh, and this class is really starting to shape up and look pretty good. And of course, you want to see if you can get Edwin Spillman, younger brother of Nate Spillman of Lisbon Academy, linebacker, six foot one, two hundred and twenty-five pounds in your class. It's going to be either Tennessee or Ohio State. And I like kind of where Tennessee stands entering the day, and we'll see if Tennessee can prevail uh, for Edwin Spillman. Hey, when we come back, what were the highlights of Tennessee uh, for SEC Media Days? We'll get into that and a whole lot more right here on Locked on Vols. But, hey, I want to tell you about our friends over at eBay Motors. For every championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head on over to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure that every single uh, every single part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to the My Garage and look for the green check to know if the part will fit or your money back. Pretty good deal there, right? Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, You'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts 
are there guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, the right prices, all on ebaymotors.com with the eBay Guaranteed Fit. ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, guys, welcome back into your Friday edition of Lockdown Vols. Appreciate you guys for being here. Uh, what were the highlights of Tennessee and the SEC media days? Well, we'll get into a few of those right here. Again, not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because, uh, you know, it's and I know it's probably a sin to bring up the name on this podcast, but as Steve Spurrier once said, you know, it's talking season, and that's pretty much all it is. It's just talking, 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 coach speak, coach speak, coach speak, whether it be from Josh Heupel or players. Nothing earth-shattering was said on Thursday. Nothing news-break-ish worthy was said on Thursday. It just kind of was what it was. It was good to see them get up there and talk some football. That was awesome. Uh, but there was nothing you know, huge in terms of what was said at the podium uh, down in Nashville for the final part of SEC Media Days. Well, what were some of the highlights, if you will, for Josh Heupel? Uh, Josh Heupel was given out a whole lot of praise for his senior quarterback and Joe Milton saying basically uh, one of the best you know stories and things you can see in college football today is a player to sit there and wait and wait and wait and then step up when his opportunity finally comes and perform and Joe Milton's going to get that opportunity sure he had starting experience in Michigan sure he was the 2021 season opening starting quarterback but he's been waiting for much of the past two seasons. Now in his third year in the system, what does he look like? And he said he's been really, really good. This is a quote from Josh Hopple. He's had a great offseason for 15 practices in spring ball, did a great job of working, navigating the pockets, being extremely accurate with the football. I'm really excited to get him back on the grass. Uh, with that, that's Josh Hopple's favorite phrase about football practice, get him back on the grass. Uh, and get him over the course of training camp, I believe he's poised to have a great 2023 season. So a lot of good stuff on uh, Joe Milton in, in terms of you know what he's looking forward to. And, and he was asked later how unique it is to have a veteran backup quarterback still on your roster because of the era and the transfer portal and how you might just want to look and leave to go and get some playing time. And and this is uh, this is what Josh Hopple had to say on that. He said, hey, a quote, it's rare that you're able to keep quarterbacks inside your quarterback room. The days of having, you know, four or five quarterbacks consistently, I think those are probably not real anymore. Guys want to have the opportunity to play and compete around them. And, uh, you know, we have their best interests at heart. Recognize the areas that uh, he can grow and needs to improve to become the better player, the best player that he's capable of. Also know that if I stick this thing out and I compete hard every single day, I'm going to grow in what we do offensively, going to be able to do things that I want inside the college football landscape. Those are rare things, and I think it takes a really mature guy, which Joe has proven that he is. Uh, yeah, I mean, that really is something. I, I think after the 2021 season, everybody, myself included, thought Joe Milton would try to look for greener pastures, but he did not. He stayed. He watched. He learned. He worked with Hendon Hooker. That relationship, that brotherhood was huge. And I think that that's going to pay dividends for Joe Milton here in 2023. So I'm excited to see kind of what that looks like. Um, other stuff about um, other highlights, if you will, from Josh Heupel. And he, he was raving on the uh, administration and the leadership from the University of Tennessee and navigating the waters of the NCAA investigation and obviously uh, the, the negotiation part of it with the, with the hearing and and the punishments that came out last Friday, he continuously, that was obviously, and we knew it would be, a theme that continued to come up for Josh Heupel where 
uh, he continued to, to give props to uh, his bosses, essentially. And uh, another thing that uh, you know Josh Heupel was asked about that I thought was uh, thought was pretty cool was um, his time at Oklahoma. And I'm trying to find this right here. Here we go. He was asked about his time with Oklahoma and about you know how that relationship is kind of complicated. And, and you know, for context, we know that relationship is complicated because Bob Stoops fired Josh Heupel. Of course, he was, you know, he he was uh, a player for Oklahoma for a long time, coach for Oklahoma, and he fired Josh Heupel to keep his brother on staff. Uh, despite the defense having some issues, but the offense being one of the best in the country. It was a it was a messy breakup all the way back in, what was it, 2006, 2007, whatever the case was. And since then, Josh Heupel's really not gone back around Oklahoma uh, because he does not like Bob Stoops. He'll never admit that on the record, but Josh Heupel does not like Bob Stoops whatsoever. And so the question was asked, you know, knowing the relationship is a little complicated, but what's it like seeing Oklahoma back on the schedule for 2024? And Josh Heupel, I thought, had the perfect response to this. He said, hey, the relationship with Oklahoma's really isn't complicated. I've got nothing but great memories of the people in my time there. I certainly do. It's a huge um, he says, I, I, it's a huge memory for me. I got a chance to talk about Mike Leach for a few minutes ago backstage for an interview. And, you know, everybody there helped shape me who I am and where I am today and still got a lot of friends and teammates that live back there. He mentions Mike Leach, of course, and he's mentioned it countless times. May he rest in peace. Um, you know, since his, his, um, you know, his death, he's mentioned how much Mike Leach meant for him in terms of a player. And then obviously how he modeled a lot of things after his coaching style. He doesn't mention Bob Stoops because that, that's where the beef is. It's Bob Stoops. I think Josh Heupel loves Oklahoma, and I think Josh Heupel loves his memories there, and I think Josh Heupel loves his teammates there and the players he coached there, but he does not like the Stoops family whatsoever. So that's where the complication is. He goes on to say, uh, so the opportunity to get back to Oklahoma, yeah, I wish they were coming to Knoxville first. I say that jokingly, but looking forward to the opportunity. That's a long ways down the road, man. Focus on 2023, uh, but will be a unique day in my career, obviously, to go back there. Of course, Tennessee will travel to Norman, Oklahoma, to take on the Sooners uh, in their, their first year in the SEC in 2024. Uh, just a couple more, really one more that sticks out that I want to, uh, that I want to bring to your attention. I'm sure you saw it all over social media and I'm sure, uh, you, you've had some fun with this, but, uh, the question was with Texas coming to the league now, which school has the real claim to being able to call itself UT I thought Josh Heupel again, had the perfect response to this says, quote, there's only one real UT one right shade of orange end quote <laughs> enough said right mic drop and he said that with a smile on his face so a lot of good stuff from josh hype a lot of good stuff from joe milton joe milton is never lacking for confidence he is confident in himself and what he can do in this offense and he said that repeatedly on thursday jacob warren silent leader of this football team amari thomas not only a leader on this football team but one of the leaders in the southeastern conference uh being voted on the leadership council for the sec football players uh, for two seasons now, and um, he's been huge. And as that defense continues to take some steps, so anyway, uh, you know, highlights from Thursday. Lane Kiffin doesn't believe Tennessee should have been gotten a bowl ban, so he was pleased by that. You know, he was going to be asked about that, of course. Um, you know, Shane Beamer was out there doing Shane Beamer things, but overall, it was a very uneventful final day of SEC media days. That's when Tennessee went, of course. Uh, now the the very next step will be fall camp, not next week. 
But the week after next is when fall camp starts here in Knoxville. I'm going to be out there covering it. Can't wait to tell you what I see. And just a few short weeks away from being back in Nashville on September the 2nd for the kickoff against Virginia. Can't wait for that. Um, Anyway, so Tennessee concludes its time over at SEC Media Days. For complete coverage, go check out all of our work over at VolQuest.com. Hey, when we come back, we will take a look at South Carolina. Scouting the opponent series continues. This will be a good one right here on Lockdown Balls. A final segment left here of this edition of Lockdown Balls. Can't thank you enough for being here and subscribing to Lockdown Balls wherever you get your podcasts on the YouTube channel and, of course, wherever you get your audio podcasts. Going to get back into our Scouting the Opponent series, and now we're at South Carolina right before the bye week for Tennessee five games into the season. Uh, South Carolina, enough said, right? You guys know I've talked about it a ton. I always reference it when talking about the defense and how sure the game happened, but Tennessee defense still took a whole lot of steps forward in 2023. Well, this game is going to be circled. This game is going to be a revenge game uh, for the University of Tennessee, and ultimately you get it back at home, and so that's going to be good. Uh, South Carolina is really capable. I think South Carolina is in that conversation. It's Tennessee, Kentucky, South Carolina. Those are the three teams that I think are kind of grouped together. Um, I do think Tennessee is the highest ceiling of those three teams, and I think Tennessee will finish second in the SEC East. But those are kind of the three teams. I think Georgia's by itself, those three teams. Then you could probably lump, I mean, honestly, you could probably lump Florida and Missouri together and then Vanderbilt's in in a class of its own as well. So that's kind of how I see it. But South Carolina finished last season with a whole lot of confidence, obviously. Upsetting. Tennessee in shocking fashion 63 to 38 was the final score that was a shocking final score Tennessee was very much still in the playoff picture even after losing to November game to Georgia and Athens but Tennessee losing the way it did and it ended any playoff hope it was unfortunate and of course that's the game where Hendon Hooker was injured in the second half Uh, but still when you look at South Carolina they finished so strong but they only had an eight and five record on the season, right? Eight and five. Shane Beamer entering his third season. He's fifteen and eleven overall uh, so far through two seasons in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, Shane Beamer, I, I did a hit with our guys in, on, on that SEC podcast. Uh, you know, with cousin Shane and, and, and Michael, and um, you know, I, I kind of said something about South Carolina. I was like, I'm not sure how big your, your audience are South Carolina fans, but I'm sure I'll get torched for this. But um, I, I think Shane Bieber's doing a really great job so far. But when it ends in Columbia, it's going to end very badly. Uh, no ifs, ands, buts about it. Because of his antics, because of the way he acts like a child on the sideline, it's going to end badly. Why, why do I know this? Why do you know this? Because we've seen it. We saw it here in Knoxville with Butch Jones, okay? Things were going great. Butch Jones was recruiting well. Shane Beamer's recruiting really well right now. But Jones won some big games. You know, Shane Beamer's winning bigger games earlier on in his tenure, but still, um, it's almost kind of paralleling each other. I think Shane Beamer's a better football coach than Butch Jones, but it's going to end at some point, and it's going to end very, very badly. And the antics that he was displaying on the sideline last year in Columbia, South Carolina, when South Carolina was beating Tennessee, motioning to the Tennessee coaching staff, come and get some, essentially. So unprofessional, so disrespectful, and that's something that you know Josh Heupel has not forgotten. If given the opportunity, it, you know, football coaches hold grudges. Josh Heupel's a good guy, but he holds a grudge. If given the opportunity 
Tennessee will beat South Carolina by 150 points this fall. Okay, I'm not saying it'll happen. I'm not saying that the opportunity will be there. Maybe it's a very close game. Maybe, uh, you know, heaven forbid, South Carolina beats Tennessee again. Maybe, maybe that scenario is not even in there. But if the scenario is out there, Tennessee will beat South Carolina by 150 points. Joe Milton will play the majority of the game, and even when Nico goes in, or even when Gaston Moore goes in, they will be throwing Hail Marys on the final play at the buzzer. Okay, that's just how it is. Josh Hopple will not forget that moment in Columbia, South Carolina. Not only the way his team was embarrassed, because it was, but also the antics of the child and Shane Beamer that night. So, I think everybody's looking forward to this game, as you can tell I am as well. When you look at what returns for South Carolina... You know, they were pretty pedestrian offensively, middle of the pack in the SEC, ranked eighth in scoring at 31.7 points per game, ninth in total offense at 381 yards per game. Uh, Spencer Rattler, much like the offense, finished very strong, but he was very, very mediocre, very mediocre throughout the first seven weeks of the season, eight weeks of the season. Um, prior to facing Tennessee, Rattler had thrown for over 300 yards just one time, and it was all the way back in week two against Arkansas. Uh, prior to facing the Vols, Rattler had thrown more than two touchdowns in one game on just one occasion, and that was against Vanderbilt. Look what he did against Tennessee and against Vanderbilt, of course, to end the season. Or, excuse me, Tennessee and Clemson, of course, to end the season. Um, you know, he threw for over 430 yards and six touchdowns. I mean, it was really, really impressive. Overall in the season, Rattler threw for 2,780 yards, 16 touchdowns, um, but also he threw 11 interceptions, so it wasn't like it was that big of a disparity. And if not for going off in the final two weeks of the regular season, those numbers would, would have been about even, if you will. Uh, but he's back this fall, and that's big. That's something you can build on for that 2022 offense. Um, he could have a shot of being one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC if he can live up to those potentials. He'll have a new offensive coordinator. I don't think it's a good hire whatsoever, uh, but Dow Loggins. Uh, coming over from Arkansas as the new offensive coordinator. Has a track record with working with quarterbacks, of course. He's been in the NFL a time or two as well. He was serving as the tight ends coach at Arkansas when Shane Beamer brought him over uh, to Columbia. Arguably one of the best receivers in the, the uh, country and certainly in the SEC is Antoine Juice Wells. 68 receptions, 928 yards, 6 touchdowns. He's back for... Uh, South Carolina this season, uh, of course, that's a guy that ran in the Wildcat quarterback against Tennessee as well. Um, he led the the Gamecocks receiving room last year easily. They're going to add Memphis transfer Eddie Lewis as well, who had seven touchdowns in 2022. He'll be a plug-and-play guy on the outside as well. Tight end Trey Knox coming over from Arkansas, 26 receptions, 296 yards, five touchdowns in 2022, and you know Shane Beamer loves to utilize those, uh, those tight ends as well. So, Trey Knox coming over from Arkansas. Um, he'll also have a um, you know a, a ground game that's got to get better. Got to get a whole lot better at running the football in 2023. Struggled in 2022, ranking 12th in the SEC, just 123 yards a game. That's really not good whatsoever. Averaging less than 4.4 yards per carry. Average of 3.7 yards per carry. Guys, that ain't good at all. Leading rusher Marshawn Lloyd transferred to. Um, USC, but Southern Cal this offseason, so he's gone. Juju McDowell, 62 attempts, 219 yards last season. Uh, he returns as the most productive tailback for South Carolina. You have Dakarian Joyner, who played a little bit of everything for South Carolina offensively. Joyner as well, a little Wildcat quarterback. Could get a shot at being more of a full-time running back this fall, obviously because they just need some bodies back there. Offensive line's also a work in progress. You're losing three starters from last year's 
uh, team. It's another blow as well. Starting left tackle Jalen Nichols, uh, pretty significant injury in the spring game, so we'll have to see exactly what his status is entering the season. So uh, that's kind of offensively for South Carolina. Uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a uh, excuse me, it's a, it's an offensive line that you know gave up 28 sacks last year. Only four other SEC programs gave up more sacks. Uh, for context, Tennessee gave up 27 sacks. You look at the defense and. Marcus Satterfield uh, drew a lot of ire from South Carolina fans until the team got hot last November. The defense was pretty consistent all year long, though. Finished uh, consistent in in being a problem. It was. <laughs> let me make sure I rephrase that. Pretty consistent, but not 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 in the best way. It was it was kind of bad, right? They ranked tenth in the SEC last year in scoring defense, twenty seven point five points allowed per game. Um, not being able to stop the rushing attack. South Carolina, 13th in the SEC in defending the run, giving up a whopping 192 yards on the ground a game. Against SEC competition, they give up 206 yards a game. Not very good whatsoever. And you have Jordan Birch, who transferred to Oregon. Jordan Birch, former defensive tackle, he was a representative of South Carolina at Media Days last year. Really talented player. He's left the program and has gone to Oregon. You do bring back uh, veteran defensive tackle Tonka Hemingway, and um, he's a proven performer. Defensive end Jordan Scratchin also is coming back. He had 10 sacks at Georgia State in 2021, but had an ACL injury the second week last season. Uh, But he does return, so getting him back healthy will be key. You've got um, a transfer in Jadius Greer, who had three and a half sacks in 2022 with six and a half TFLs should provide some help at defensive end as well. Got to generate some pass rush for South Carolina. Just 18 sacks last fall, not a very good number whatsoever. You need that number to be up in the high 30s if you want to be competitive, really competitive in the SEC. Only Vanderbilt was less effective at getting to the quarterback. Uh, you know, in terms of SEC teams, 18 sacks for South Carolina. That has got to improve at linebacker. Uh, you got to get Muhammad Kaba. Cab, I believe is how you say his name. Healthy. He towards ACL in that Arkansas game last year. Missed the rest of the season. Um, you will have Debo Williams coming back. Uh, that's a veteran linebacker for South Carolina. They had 43 tackles uh, in 2022, so that's good. Gamecocks ranked fourth in the SEC in pass defense overall, giving up a buck 99 through the air, which is not bad whatsoever. Uh, but you do bring back some other guys as well, like safety Nick Amornier and DQ Smith. They were thrown in the fire as true freshmen last season, and and they survived and thrived at points in times as well. 85 tackles for uh, Emmanuel Wara. Smith was fourth with fourth on the team with 54 stops, and uh, those two guys will be huge in the back end and the secondary for uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks. So uh, that's a look at the defense, kind of a work in progress a little bit, but must improve because they were pretty bad all year long. Can South Carolina's offense? continue to stay hot as it closed the 2022 season. We'll see which Spencer Rattler are you going to get. That is a closer look at the South Carolina Gamecocks. And again, I don't know. I don't have to tell you much more than that. I mean, this game is going to be circled. Tennessee wants this game in the worst way. And I think the Neyland stadium is going to be rocking because that is the final game before Tennessee has the bye week and then comes back to Neyland and hosts Texas A&M before the third Saturday in October in Alabama, then Kentucky and so on and so forth. That is a look at Spencer Rattler, Shane Beamer, and the South Carolina Gamecocks as the Scouting the Opponent series rolls on right here on Locked On Balls. That's going to do it here for this episode of Locked On Balls. Can't thank you enough for being a part of the show. 
making Locked On Balls your first listen each and every day. Remember, no show on Monday. We'll be back on Tuesday, and uh, we'll make it your first listen then. Guys, thank you so much, guys and gals, for tuning in. Stay safe this weekend. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk to you on Tuesday, everybody. This is Locked On Balls.